0: A science story, huh? Is NYU scientists, uh, they felt this right. right. so and happy. I just thought, well, I had figured it, out. Wow. I it
1: was fun. that oh. golden moment because science was on my side.
0: Hey, everyone, I'm Ben Lilly, and welcome to the Story Collider, where we bring you true stories of how science has affected people's lives. This week's story is also available on video, which you can find at storycollider.org/video. The storyteller is Nancy Parmalee. Nancy is an aspiring writer and mother of two grown children. She grew up in Southern California feeling completely out of place until she finally moved to New York City to join the kindred spirits who also never wanted to come in when the streetlights came on. The story was recorded in August 2011 at the Brooklyn Lyceum.
1: About a year ago, I was having a conversation with my daughter, Kelsey, who's 19 now, which amazes me, and uh, she was looking for a job, and it's been a really lousy job market out there. And so I was trying to encourage her, because she was kind of down, and I said, look, you know, I've been there, I've done it, you just have to keep going, you have to keep knocking on doors until something budges and you don't give up, and her response was, she said, Mom, You know, you have to remember, not everyone is like you. You take risks that other people won't take, and you do things that other people won't do. And I said, bullshit. I said, I did what I had to do because I had you and your brother to take care of, and there's nothing any different between me and you, and you just keep going. So to jump back about more than a a decade, in 1997... I was living in Orange County, California. I was a soccer mom with my two small kids and my husband, and I I sliced the oranges for soccer practice. I bought juice boxes by the case from Costco. I went on field trips. I drove an SUV. So that was one part of my life. Um, I was also in school. I was studying biology, and uh, I was very intent on this. Um, I wanted to do an MD-PhD, so a joint research medical degree very competitive to get in. And here I was with a family and two small kids, so I thought I had to do everything twice as well as everyone else to just be competitive, so I did. So I was extremely obsessive. Um, I volunteered at the emergency room uh, at a trauma center. I became an EMT. I did CPR on people. I did all the extracurriculars um, on top of you know keeping my grades up. And I did research in a lab. So I'd drop the kids off at school, and I'd go to the lab, and then I'd sequence some genes with radioactive isotopes, I'd splice some DNA, I'd put them in bacteria, grow it in a big flasks, go running up to class, take a test, go home, get them from daycare, make dinner, and collapse. And that was day in, day out, that was what I did. And this was my life. And so, you know, we were supposedly the, the perfect family, the perfect couple with the perfect life. And then it turned out that no one's actually perfect. So in the blink of an eye, it seemed like suddenly my marriage had ended, um, to my great surprise. And here I was with my two young children, and I needed to support them. So my first thought was, you know, I've done a lot of hard things, so how hard could this be? Um, You know, I have all of these skills. I mean, I can can dissect fly larvae under a microscope. Surely this is a marketable skill. (laughs) So, <laughs> apparently not um, So, <laughs> so I started trying to piece things together because I was sure that I was going to be able to do both things I'll take care of my family and I'll stay on this career path I will still get it done there's so much invested just across the board I'm not giving up on any of this So I started trying to piece things together. I did some tutoring, I did some teaching, I worked in the business school, I got a job at Barnes and Noble. Things were a little bit chaotic in my life, so I kind of thought, you know, I love books, I love reading, I love bookstores, I'll go work at a bookstore, this'll be great, soothing, calm, 400,000 titles, none of them alphabetized. So, it also didn't pay the bills. So, I kept going with this for about two years, trying to patch things together, but really, it was slipping away. And in 1999, I realized that the kids needed more stability, and this just was not going to work. And I had to go. I had to leave school. I had to get a job and stop dividing my time and just take care of my family. And um, and and it, it more or less broke my heart. One of the jobs I worked during that time for one day, it was flexible hours. Decent pay doing phone surveys. If I could keep someone on the phone for seven minutes, they'd give me ten bucks. I could work whenever I wanted. Harder than it sounds. So I'm listening to the guy in the cube next to me, and he's just like, I mean, he's raking these things in. He's making money hand over fist. So what is he doing? And I listen, and I hear him saying to the person on the other end of the line, So, you know, this isn't my real job, actually. I just do this because I like to talk to people. Actually, I'm a physician. And he goes on and on and on, and he's totally selling this. And he's lying his ass off, and I can't believe it. And I walked out of there, and I never came back because this was my dream. This was important to me. And he took this, and he used it as a as a hook to keep someone on the phone with him so he could get 10 lousy dollars. And here I was killing myself to try and actually do it in real life. I couldn't stand it. The reason it was so important to me, this was more than just a job. This was more than just a career. Um, When I was 19 years old, my sister was diagnosed with leukemia, a very aggressive form of leukemia. We lost her nine months later. She was 15. I was 20 at that time. And I already had an inclination towards science. I took my time to decide my career path, and I realized, you know, I can potentially do something. I can at least try to do something so that maybe other families won't have to go through this. And so this was a promise that I made to myself. If I can make a difference, I need to at least try. So it was not easy to have this pulled away from me. But, so, I got a job, I had a friend who, you know, offered to help. He was high up at uh, CBS television, so in a very surreal twist, I suddenly found myself working in business affairs at CBS in Television City in LA. So this is, like, the, p- the point furthest from where I had been, and <laughs> I was kind of scratching my head. I do not even watch TV. I had to buy a copy of the TV Guide the night before my interview to at least know what the network had on the air. Um, but. This wasn't quite so bad as I thought it was going to be. I expected to be pushing papers and counting beans, and it sounded very boring. Well, Business Affairs is actually the department that handles all the contracts for everything that goes on the air. I was working for one of the prime-time negotiators. So this position, people working jobs similar to mine, people would pick up from, you know, places like Montana, Idaho, South Dakota, and come across the country to work this kind of job because it was an inn. And there were people who would give a kidney to be where I was um, because it was their dream. But it wasn't my dream. And after a while there, you know, the perks were great. Um, you know, there'd be champagne, there'd be cake, you know, there celebrities all over the place. And like, oh, there's Will Smith going up in the elevator. Oh, I just rode up with Joe Pesci today. Like, wow, this is, you know, okay, um, it's entertaining. But it wasn't my life. And so I remember one day, I was sitting at my desk, it was kind of a slow day, and someone comes by and they're like, oh, you know, cake, champagne, are you coming over? It's, 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 I'm, I'm kind of busy right now. And what I was doing was I was searching for jobs, anything science-related, anything I could get into, just just to get back. So I remember seeing a job that had something to do with counting salmon, Um, Requirements were, you know, molecular biology skills. I said, yes, I have those. Um, Ability to stand in hip boots for up to 12 hours. And I went, I can do that. That actually sounds good to me. Um, But it required a bachelor's degree, which I didn't have yet. So I was kind of blocked. You know, there was nothing, there was no step forward back to what I really wanted to be doing. So, then the criteria for every job was a paycheck that'll take care of my family, and 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 there was no, I mean, that was the minimum, and there was nothing above that. So um, in 2000, I went to work for a dot-com company. Um, pay was even better. Um, I had been working for negotiators, so I had learned to negotiate, so I negotiated a really sweet deal for myself. and and uh, went on to do that. So we had the foosball table, the ping pong table, the razor scooters in the hallway, the crazy CEO. Um, no product, but an IPO strategy. And uh, surprisingly, that didn't fly. So that company imploded. I went on to work a couple other software gigs. Um, summer of 2001, I was working a great contract. Um, good people, good project, good team. I was paid better than I had ever, ever had been before. And uh, I remember driving home one day and stopping at the grocery store to get some dinner. And, you know, here, everyone in the team is putting out their best effort. These are good people. You know, there's nothing wrong. There's nobody crazy. It's, it's a normal company. And I just remember walking out of the grocery store and thinking, I am living the wrong life there is another life out there. Surely there has to be. And I was taking out my keys to, to go to the car, and I just, I'm looking at my hands, and I'm thinking, you know, surely it's out there somewhere. Like, maybe there's another key on here somewhere that I just haven't been able to find. And, you know, I'll I'll walk out to a, a different car, and, and somehow a key will open it. And I'll get in that car, and I'll drive home to a different house, and a different life and it will be my life it will be the right life but there was no there was no way forward um so that contract ended in july of 2001 and i decided that that was where i was going to make my stand you know thankfully i had money in the bank And this is it. I will go no further in the wrong direction. I am going to do something that's meaningful. There wasn't a way to get back to school. But I thought, you know, I've always liked science communication, science writing. Maybe that's something. And I don't want to piss off my science writer friends by suggesting that I could just jump up and do this. I was willing to pay my dues and work my way up. But I I formulated a plan. And... uh, And that was August 2001, and then it was September, and then it was October 2001, and then there were no more jobs. Um, The world had changed, and the professional people that I had been working with were um, laid off, couldn't find new positions. There were no jobs anywhere. And, uh, you know, friends of mine were, were bartending. Um, someone was managing a Coldstone Creamery. Someone else was, um, you know, working retail. And just across the board, there was nothing out there. And uh, things started getting a little bit edgy, you know. So I'd, six months later, I, I had tapped out my uh, remaining accounts. And by remaining accounts, I mean there were no more coins under the couch cushions or under... The mat's in the car, <laughs> so nothing. The kids were starting to wonder a bit about the mystery meat I was serving up. Liver, I still can't do anything with it. I gave it a shot. I said, N- that, no, it's it's not happening. You don't have to eat that, guys. Um, so I went to see a career counselor because something had to change. And, uh, oh, I forgot the part where I became a personal trainer. There was that, too. <laughs> um, so... I went in to see this career counselor, and one of the things that I had done in software was technical writing and so she said, "Well, you know the most logical place for you to go is back to that you have skills there you know you've you've got companies on your resume you should just you know you you should go for tech writing jobs and I just it was like something inside me just caved in, and uh, I talked to a friend and she said, so, you know, what did the career counselor say? I said, yeah, tech writing, but I don't I don't want to. I don't want to. And she said, well, what do you want to do? And I just had a moment where I just, like, raged against the world and stomped my feet. And I said, I want to go back to school. I want to finish my degree. I want to go to graduate school. I want to go to New York. I want to go to Columbia and do my graduate degree at Columbia and do research. That's it. That's what I want to do. Now, I mean, this was like, this, <laughs> there was no possible, there was no logical way that this was going to happen. Um, and then I got a break. Um, I got a chance to go back to school, and I got a job in a lab, in a great lab. And from there, I applied to graduate school, and I and I came here to New York. And I'd love to say that it was all, like, easy and, and and fine from that, but I'd be lying because doing a Ph.D. as a single mom with two kids is not actually easy. But a couple years ago, I was at a point where I, I really worried, you know, maybe the kids have just had enough. Maybe I have put them through too much and asked too much of them. And my son was old enough at that time to have more adult conversations. And I said, you know... When you were younger and things were really rough, I said, I just want you to know, I really, really tried. You know, I know that there were things I couldn't give you and and things we couldn't do. But I just want you to know, I tried to give you what I had. I tried to give you good judgment and teach you what I had to give you. But I wonder if really this is too much. And he said, Mom, he said, you know, my kid, my friend's my age. They don't know things that I know. Um, he said, yeah, things were hard and deadpan. He says, you know, it would have been nice to have some more of some things, you know, like food. And <laughs> and uh, he said, but you know, what we got out of that was really so much more valuable because I can move in the world in a way that my friends can't at this age.' And he said, Mom, you're not stopping. He said, this is for us as much as it's for you. And you're going to keep going, and you're going to get this done, and we're behind you, and we're proud of you. So um, sometime before the end of the summer, I will be defending my Ph.D. at Columbia in genetics and continuing on in my research career. Thank you.
0: That was Nancy Parmalee. She successfully defended her thesis last Tuesday. For more science stories, come see us live. Our next show in Brooklyn is September 27th at Union Hall. The theme will be the science of writing. We'll have novelists, journalists, bloggers, and more telling their personal science story. You can find out more about us on our website, storycollider.org, where we also have archives of the podcast, videos, and ways to submit your own story if you would like to be on the show. The Story Collider is produced by me, Brian Wecht, and Aaron Barker, with assistance from Brooke Williams, Lena Groger, Luke Davin, Miguel de Leon, Ben Berlin, and Aaron Wolf. Special thanks to Rose Eveleth for the intro, to the Brooklyn Lyceum for hosting the show, and to everyone who wished me a happy birthday a few days ago, when it was my birthday. Thanks for listening.